humor is subjective, apparently, at this Man, point in time. Here's so. the thing. Like, dude, I would hate to be a comedian right now. Well, yeah. Because those stereotypes are funny. I mean, and, uh, I don't know if they are anymore. I mean, it, well, we've been conditioned to think that they are. I mean, but is that correct in our conditioning? You know, I don't know, dude. Because so, um, my wife's Filipino, and Joe Coy obviously is Filipino, and he does this whole Filipino bit. But he is Filipino, mm. but he spoofs on. All of the funny stereotypes, the Filipino stereotypes. Sure. And I am, because I live in that world, I am just rolling. Dude, the guy's hilarious. Yeah, I guess where's the line get drawn? And then every, all the Filipinos love him too, because I mean, on one hand, yes, he's making fun of the culture. Okay. Fair enough. You could make that argument. On the other hand, he's a Filipino that's being, that's having a lot of success. Sure. So, they're celebrating his success. And I think there's something to be said about um, being able to make fun of yourself and, and doing that in a way that you're not taking yourself too seriously and you can laugh at yourself. Maybe, maybe you know what I mean? Maybe that's the, the, the green area, or if you want to, if you want to call it something, the safe zone, the safe zone <laughs> is where you are making, light of your own culture as mm -hmm. opposed to other cultures mm -hmm. that's probably because if you had so in the example if of you had him making well yeah i am oklahoma but that's not a i guess it is a culture but it's not uh it's not a race but uh, yeah i guess if you had if you had that comedian though what was his name joe coy joe coy if you had him making fun of you know uh latino or mexican well he does well, I guess he do, he does in in his so not his last special because it was kind of a Filipino highlight special, but the one he, where he he's um, coming in hot as was a show he did on Netflix um, for from in Hawaii. Yeah. Now he spoke very clearly to the the Hawaiian culture because there's a lot of different cultures in Hawaii. A lot of different Asian cultures in Hawaii. A lot of different island. Sure. You know. Um, and then there's a lot of Filipinos in Hawaii. Hawaii is kind of like this gateway between Asia and U.S. So, and he goes through and he talks about a bunch of different Asian cultures. But it wasn't disparaging. Like, it didn't come across disparaging. He's kind of making poking fun at how they talk. Mm -hmm. Right? And... Um, and the difference is, like, he's like, hey, this is how you can tell the difference between somebody who's Korean and somebody who's Japanese. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh -huh. That immediately sounds racist to me. It, okay. Does it, he get it, a pass just because he's not white? I mean, I don't know. Does he get a pass? Does, does he get a pass? I mean. I'm, I'm not giving him one right now. I'll say that. I mean, I haven't seen the material, so I can't speak, you know, with 100% certainty here. But to me, that sounds like something that. Basically, your your barometer is if a white person would say and be considered racist, then it's racist. Correct. Which is there's a lot of a lot of these double standards in our culture. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, though. But there is a lot of that. It, it, sure. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can't say that other people from other cultures can say. I don't know if "can" is the right word we, because they shouldn't be as well. Sure. Fair enough. Yes. But w what's socially acceptable and what isn't. Yeah. And that's part of the systemic everything. Yeah. 
you know, the, the system that has been put in place. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you are the oppressor for hundreds of years, you know, in a lot sure. of ways. So. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, I love Asian culture and not just Filipino culture. I mean, I'm a huge fan and have been for many years before I was even married um, of a lot of things Japanese. They make the best cars. The GTR is made in, in Japan. It's Nissan, mm -hmm. and it, it has the nickname Godzilla and the story of Godzilla, also awesome. Yeah. Speed racer. I mean, I yeah. can go on and on and on about sure. all the cultural stuff that, that I love. Sushi, one of my favorite things ever. Um, I had good friends growing up that were Japanese. So when Joe Koi is doing that i i'm not i don't have any ill will or um demeaning attitudes towards yeah i guess what i'm Japan saying or anybody well, in the sure. japanese culture uh quite the opposite yeah but right i still find what he said is i think what the important humorous. what the important thing is though to to point out is that if he says if he's making light of how you tell South Koreans from Japanese people and he's making fun of their accent or whatever, if a Japanese or South Korean person is then upset by those comments, they are completely justified. Sure. Um, sure. And he even talks about that. He talks about that in, um, in that same bit where because he draws these parallels between uh, Mexican culture and Filipino culture. And that's largely derivative because both of which were Spanish colonies for hundreds of years, which is why they speak Spanish in Mexico, Right. which is why S Spanish culture is permeated throughout Philip the, the Philippines and Filipino culture. So, you know, he makes these, these, um, he draws these parallels between the two cultures, um, which a lot of are, are funny idiosyncrasies, right? You know, like Vicks Vapor Rub. I mean, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, and, um, you know, and these really weird kind of cultural, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, kind of these anecdotes, not anecdotes, but... Um, Metaphors or something? Antidotes oh. for different things, right? right. You know, like... Um, my big fat Greek wedding talks about Windex, right? You know, and, and what makes that funny is because that's a real thing. Like somebody's it, like done that in their family, like Windex fixes everything, you know, even the flu, you know, I mean, just right. weird stuff like that, um, which is odd, but there's humor in it. And um, I think the thing that, you know, I, I'm concerned and scared that we're going to get to a place where you can't, um, you can't make fun of yourself or your culture or, or, or anything um, because it's not politically correct or it's not. I don't think it's not so. Yeah, I know correct. what you're you, saying. You know what I mean? Like we get yeah. so hypersensitive about every little thing. I don't disagree that you should be able to make fun of your own culture yeah. and, and and all that. It's when you make fun of other 
cultures that I think is where you probably need to take a step back and say, is this right? Yeah. You got you got to think about what you're saying and is it representing that culture in, in a positive light? If not, then what are you doing for your fellow man? You know what I'm saying? Like that's sure. That's kind of where now I'm not saying that you can't go and have a conversation with, you know, a, a person of a different um, culture and then be like afraid to say something, but you have to know that person. And if that yeah. person's okay with, I mean, that that's what it all comes down to is just the empathy of knowing sure. your audience slash whoever you're talking to. Right. Um, and, and that's just a, that's a big part of it is we just humor so much in the eighties and in the nineties was like not caring what anyone thought. Right. For sure. And that's, the polar opposite. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you can still be funny. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm watching things that are funny without attacking other people. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan you know? is, comes to mind, you know, with a lot of the funny things that he talks about and it's not disparaging any other culture typically. Right. Um, but yeah. Hey, what do you say we get this show started? I think we've already started. Uh, we, we just went in a weird tangent about stand-up comedians. Um, but this is this is the easy podcast. Uh, I'm Zach. And this is Eric. And I think this is probably how we'll start it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Unless you don't want It'll me to keep fun. this entire conversation in there. No, it's all good. Okay. Um, we I mean, have, it's good. It's meaty. It, it's, it's relevant. It means something. Um, yeah, and it involves Netflix, which is we're, streaming. You know, it's a little serious right tone, you know, and sometimes we get into some serious tone stuff. Our, our last episode was very serious yeah, tone. Absolutely. Uh, it's the reason why we haven't really done another one since. Um, been three weeks now, pretty much. And um, uh, yeah, the world hasn't changed a whole lot the same things that were going on three weeks ago are still going on now yeah we're in lockdown we're relocking down we're yeah (laughs) yeah whatever i don't want to get into that quarantine it's okay here's a weird thing to me right so we're in these stay-at-home orders people are quarantined we got this COVID 19 thing going and everybody's supposed to stay at home like stay at home for a little bit until we can, you know, flatten the curve or whatever it is that we're trying to supposed to be doing. Um, put a mask on. It's not just about you and whether or not you get it. It's about being mindful of other people. So don't be selfish. Just put one on when you go out. It's going to be better for everybody. Now that I got that out of the way, the interesting part to me is even though theaters are closed. This took a right turn. You can watch more stuff on there's more streaming platforms delivering more content than ever before and a lot of that stuff that you would have normally saw in the theater is available right in your living room yeah and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) does does that put a damper does that put a little bit of a damper on what you were gonna go for I've watched more stuff in the, in the I've last watched, two months. I've than, watched more garbage in the last two months. Well, than there I is ever a lot of garbage. Have. This is true. Right. You I've, did watch Dark Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I've continued to resist. I know. We're not going to talk about Dark Phoenix. No, we're not. Um, but I've just, I don't know. I, I've been in this weird kind of like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to dedicate myself to anything of importance. Uh, like movie or television wise, so I haven't gotten anything to anything I've cared about. Okay, but there's some new stuff coming. Yeah, 
the the Umbrella Academy season two sure. is about to drop in a few weeks. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll watch like, that, and yes. it'll be over in a day. Right, and you know, and then I'm like, well, what other crap can I watch? That, that's that's been my my problem with this whole thing is like finding the next stupid thing to watch. But um, I mean, we got to the point where I mean, we we watch Agents of Shield, but that's every week, so you know, I, I can't. It's not just all over at once. Okay. And that's only one hour. I'm going to make a confession right now. You, I think you've done this before. I don't think we've talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm pretty sure I've brought it up. You've never seen it. I've never watched one episode. And, and you know how big a Marvel fan I am. Sure. I think now, not once. Now would be a pretty good time because it's the last season that they're ever going to do. I will watch it and as soon as you watch Money Heist. Ugh. Get over your money heist. Dude, it's really good. I'm sure it is. I just... <laughs> well, this this goes back to my point of watching garbage. I'm wa- no, 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 no. I'm not saying money heist is garbage. What I'm saying is that I'm watching things that I don't have to pay a lot of attention to. That's true. And money heist I have to pay attention to. Yes, you do. So instead of... So commit. Why are I, you so non-committal? What else are you doing with your time? <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all really um you know uh, oh, just to give a quick update on one thing we we teased like a month and a half ago this film theory thing and um yeah i'm still waiting i know but it just hasn't i'm really... looking up at the ceiling if you just need to know yeah like because that's where the answer is like uh, where is the film it's, theory? Up, way, it's, it's up, up there, there. somewhere <laughs> what a world what a world <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just haven't felt, um, I haven't felt motivated to, to finish it because of just kind of the, the state of, of mind that I'm in right now. It, yeah. it, it feels weird trying to be, um, I mean, here we are trying to talk about, but I mean, this took three weeks for us to get back together right. and, and have a conversation like this. Right. And, um, you know, just with everything going on and, uh, anniversary of of jacob and everything and uh it's just it's been a weird month and yeah and it's hot yeah that really demotivates me summer in phoenix is just africa i mean it's um i mean i don't know at least if we were in africa there'd be things to go out and you feel like you could go and like oh i can look at cheetah yeah i mean it would be cool you know you get the savannah out there you get so tired of cheetahs i'm sure (laughs) but if you're in Africa and you're happening to listen to this somehow, let us know. What do you know. what do you do for what do you do for I mean, non cheetah fun? Yeah, um, that that seems very geologicist to me. But to uh, <laughs> say that if that's even a word, because I know Africa has internet. I've been to Africa. Like yeah, yeah. Whatever. That was a that's terrible good. thing to say. Stupid. Um, <laughs> but I was talking about crap. So I want to watch things that I can also just be on my phone or I can also just be cooking or I can also. So we've gone through ultimate beast master on Netflix. Oh, wow. Which is fun. <laughs> and it's kind of like a, I don't know. I don't know if more serious is the right word, but a, a more, maybe more mature, like, uh, what's that one? Uh, American Ninja warrior. Yeah. Or not, sorry, not American Ninja warrior. Wipeout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the one with the cars? I don't know. I it's like Ninja I, Warrior with cars. I watched one wipeout. The car so they were running in that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but this is like, um, you know, world, world-renowned world athletes and stuff from ni- uh, nine different countries, and they all get together, and they each have two people per episode. Whatever. Ninja Warrior slash wipeout. You've seen them all before. It's the same idea. But yeah. again, 
trash. Like it's easy to just turn on and go cook or get on your phone and do nothing. And then by the time you, you know what, you're like, you're done with that season. There's three seasons and it's over. And now we're like, well, what else do we watch now? We got nothing else to watch. So we watched Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Okay. I watched that you first th- one. Okay. I watched the first one. Yeah. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Unsolved Mysteries, it's a show that started in like 86 or yeah, something. Yeah, it was in the 80s. Dude, I remember yeah. that back in the day. And it went like, all the way to like 2008. Yeah. Long time. And it was this with the same host too who has since passed on. But And um, a lot of those cases were solved by people that yeah, had watched and then had some right. tips or information that led to whatever yeah, yeah. That, that's been that was the only bummer watching that show though was like you get to the end and you're like there's no resolve because right. you don't know how it ended right. or what actually happened or you have no there, there's no finale to it so there's so no they relief. should go back they I, should go back and if the yeah if, the, if one of these film all solved, the conclusions right. to all the ones that were solved yeah if it does happen that'd be that'd be awesome but you know um, it's interesting because Netflix owns the rights to it now for the distribution and um, it's shot just like a Netflix documentary. You have yeah. everything you would expect. It looks great. The reenactments are awesome. Um, everything looks fantastic. Um, yeah, but it was, it was just, again, you're like, you're watching it and you're like, how's this going to end? Oh, I know how it's going to end. They don't know who killed this person <laughs> like, because it's literally called Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Um, well, the first part of it was like, like okay um it seemed like that when the guy went missing they're like okay so this is just random but then he was found um and i was like okay well so it's not really a mystery where he went it's just a mystery who killed him i guess yeah right and it's yeah that's the way most of them go yeah, and even the last one is just kind of like you're pretty sure who did it, mm-hmm. but they don't know for sure. There's not enough evidence to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's done really well. If again, if you're looking for crap to just throw on and not pay attention to, it's another one that you can do that with. There is one French episode, um, so you can't like just turn it on and then listen to it in the background unless you speak French, which you know, great. Uh, I do not. Um, but yeah, I mean. A lot of, a lot of. Well, it's interesting. You're in this season of wanting stuff in the background. It's the total opposite really of how I used in to the be. Foreground, yeah, like, I, I, yeah. I almost always hated um, reality TV or, or not, not, not hated documentaries. I love documentaries, but um, I don't know. Just simple things that I don't have to think a whole lot on. I usually don't like those. Um, yeah, you know, like just. It's, it's an easy one to say so i'm going to say it you know like a transformers movie you can just turn on and listen to the explosions in the background but i don't like those usually and i find myself i don't know if it's just like the current season that we're in where i just i don't want to necessarily be like taught a lesson or a theme you know or something i want to just kind of i want to be entertained mm, which mm-hmm. is very much not like me. I, I almost always want to be, you know, um, well, entertained is, yeah, I do want to be entertained, but I also want to feel something. I don't want to feel anything with what I'm watching right now. Right. Well, which, there's some, there's some really, du- you know, it's funny. You asked um, about 
what was my top three? Because I have a pretty long laundry list, and I'm just going to quick fire what I've Yeah, watched. you've been watching a lot more than I have. So I watched 13th. I watched Replicas, Peanut Butter Falcon, The Matrix. Oh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Gemini Man, Robots. Um, the animated robots, the animated show with, um, Robin Williams. Yeah. It's an animated, it was like a Pixar thing. Um, Ad Astra, Rocket Man, The Hustle, They Shall Not Grow Old, First Man, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, 2003. I just watched that last night. Um, Hamilton, um, and then Jeffrey Epstein's Filthy Rich series, and then A Way Back with... Um, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ooh, you got it right. <laughs> Look at him go. Okay, but if you... if Okay, so some of these, you can go through that list and go, oh, okay, that was... My, my daughter wanted to watch Robots, and I was like, yeah, she, you know, it was kind of nostalgic for her, so we watched it. It was sure. cool. Um, a lot of these were ones that I wanted to see, but, you know, I didn't... Um, and some that you had mentioned, Peanut Butter Falcon and The so First good. Man that I didn't see that I was excited about seeing. Yeah. Um, but most of these have a very serious tone to them. Mm-hmm. Especially there's a, there's only, those two. Yeah. There's only a handful that don't. Like um, Gemini Man was one of those Ugh. that was kind of more like a Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was it was an action movie, and it, there's um, uh, it didn't require any thinking whatsoever. Not not really. Yeah. And then the hustle, which was <laughs> I don't know what that one is. It was Rebel Wilson and um, oh, that's Anne right. Hathaway, yeah. and they play these con artists, and it's dumb funny. Yeah, and it was one of those you don't have to think about anything. You just watch and and it was one of those. I need a new. I can check I need a out new pool and be for my second house paycheck movies for them i'm sure i who knows yeah. but it was it was there were some funny lines in it there were some witty lines in it and and it was it was one of those where i could yeah. sit and not feel anything or think about anything and just and laugh and that's kind of where i i was at and my wife was watching part of it with me and she was like well wow, you're really liking this and i was just like it's dumb funny that i need right now mm, just, yeah it was the right thing um but you asked earlier what my top three out of that list was, um, and that's that's difficult. Um, I would say Peanut Butter Falcon is one of the top three. That's so good. Um, Hamilton, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and the number three is kind of a tie between Thirteenth um, and First Man, and that's because of. I mean, First Man was um, was a just amazing. It was great t- uh, story about um, you know the whole Neil Armstrong, Neil and, Armstrong, yeah. the lunar landing and the the that whole space race thing, which was cool. Um, but Thirteenth and really was um, just really well done, and you know talking about. It's more eye opening. Something yeah, you're it's eye opening, yeah. and then it's like you know you start to peel back the layers on the oppression mm-hmm. um, of you know the slaves and blacks in our country historically, and I mean it was a very serious, but you know it's like oh there's a you know it talks about this particular phrasing in the in the Thirteenth Amendment that that then. 
basically keep slaves in a slave state if they're criminals, if they've been convicted yeah, of a crime. Right. And then, which is crazy because of this whole no taxation without representation thing then comes into it. It's like, why can we still tax convicts or ex-convicts even though they can't vote? So then they therefore don't have representation. It, and it's a whole thing of, yeah, I mean, just watch 13th. Like, it really yeah. goes into and explains yeah. it. But it, it, it's insane to think about. It's really, it's really good in the sense of it's a big dose of, you know, it kind of pulls back the curtain. Yeah. And the, it's a big spoonful of truth that. Yeah. You you have to you you have to wrestle with, yeah. Know? And it really gets into um, who it affects the most, which is very much a targeted mm-hmm. system, and, yeah. and why it doesn't work, uh, why it should be abolished, really. And and which it was such a great juxtaposition of watching that, and then watching Hamilton. I mean, it was man, yeah, it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, both really good and, um, you know, just kind of wrestling through, you know, what we talked about with Andre in our last episode mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the current state of affairs. But um, purely from a, a movie standpoint, I'm, um, I'm not a big fan of, of musicals. Um, I, I grew up being forced to watch them as a kid mm-hmm. and just was like mm, no not that i didn't respect some of the the art art is you know the art behind the craft, it, the craft yeah. you know i you know it's all good just not my jam and that was like mm, man this was so good it was so good i think what helps it in current time because you and i were talking about musicals and um you're like yeah i don't do musicals is what you said i think when we were in your office <laughs> and uh and I was like, yeah, I don't either. Uh, I'll do like a Willy Wonka or The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and but it's funny. I don't different. think of those. I don't, you don't think, think of those right. as musicals, even right. though it's that's what it is. Yeah, and I think there's something about that being more of a nostalgia thing where you watch those as a kid, and so you kind of and there's a whimsicalness about them. There's a fantasy. I'm not a huge fan of, or even a fan in general of musicals with like a serious tone to them like west side story couldn't care less about that yeah Sound i never music, resonated don't care with that. but like, you know what was also good re- relatively recently was la la land yeah and i, still I watched seen that now. and i was like in in even as somebody who's not a fan of musicals i was like wow this is really good yeah i think there's something about the modern musical though that people I don't know people do it wrong and if you want to get into why it's wrong um lindsey ellis on youtube has a really good kind of explanation video and breakdown about the movie cats well and the uh, new cats yeah yeah the movie <laughs> i mean that was kind of a, i know it, it was it was yeah. damaged from the beginning but she gets into <laughs> talking about like why it didn't work and why it was never going to work um, given how they went about it, like how they were going to uh, attack making it into a future film. And then it goes into Les, Les Miserables. Look, if you like musicals, th- I'm not talking to you. You're, I'm never going to convince you that they suck or that they're <laughs> they're good or not. 
what I will say is that I don't think musicals work or have the same effect when they're taken from their Broadway counterpart and made into a filmic narrative. Right, which we talked about. Yeah. So I think the reason that Hamilton works so well for me is because it wasn't so much a retelling in a film in like environment. It was just filming the Broadway right. act itself. Right. And that's why it works. Yeah, and it was cool. I think... Um I, you know, I, I, I wasn't a f- fan of, you know, the musicals. I wanted, wasn't a fan of the play type stuff. Though I've been to a few, and I appreciate them. Um, it's, it's just, uh, you know, when the whole buzz about Hamilton came out, when it was actually live, and people yeah, were just yeah. losing their minds, and are like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're going to go to New York, and we're going to go see Hamilton, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome, and... And like everybody was talking about it and I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I mean, that sounds great. I yeah. mean, I remember when everybody was talking about rent. I remember when everybody was talking about cats. I remember when I was talking about Lion King and yeah, you've been around um, a while and, <laughs> and, uh, um, the one, the wizard of Oz one, which was, Oh, uh, uh, I've wicked heard, wicked yeah and and i've heard a lot of great things and mm-hmm. and i was like yeah it's just not my thing and and then you brought this up and i was like hmm okay like uh, yeah uh, you know we got time yeah, yeah right you got nothing but time right now <laughs> and so i was like dude this is such a great blend of early uh country or early history yeah. 18th century american history yeah. yeah and um and uh in in a blend of current hip-hop mm-hmm. and just the writing and the the cast the singing the um the choreography yeah the it is a perfect storm the outfits i'm like mm-hmm. man dude this and you know it's not it's not um, it's not super complex. It's not super no. complicated. One set, but the story, yeah. the story is so rich mm-hmm. with so many layers, and and I am like, and the hip hop elements just resonate. I'm like, man, this is so good. It's definitely one of those things that it's just lightning in a bottle. Yeah, it is. Where sure. if you had one of those elements was a different person or it was done a slightly different way. I don't think it would work. Yeah. Like, especially if you didn't have Lin-Manuel Miranda in at all. Yeah. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. He's a, he is such a good writer and it's apparent like, cause he did the Moana um, right. music as well. And like to me in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years of animated musicals, that's the one that I remember the most. Yeah. Over frozen over. I mean, just uh, like, Anything that's come out, I remember that one more than anything. It's because he, I think he's so good at like, you know, you always, you had those, those producers in the eighties and nineties that knew exactly what the formula was for a catchy radio tune. Sure. Yeah. And he, he knows what the formula is for those memorable tracks, but it doesn't ever come across in like a corporate or cheesy kind of way. And I think that's why they work so well and why they're so like highly regarded as yeah. well. And, um, but the cast in, in Hamilton, like this, the original casting, which is what this recording is from, um, insane, like just so overly talented. Um, and you're, 
my wife and I, we, we watched it on July 3rd. So it was the first day that it was out on Disney Plus, And um, we were taking that as our July 4th day. So I was, yeah, I was cool. grilling and I was making some hot dogs and stuff. And then we came inside and we're like, all right, let's watch Hamilton. Plates are full of 4th of July goods. And 20 minutes goes by and we're like, oh, we should probably eat our food. <laughs> like we, we, we got so immediately caught up in it. Yeah. Um, and it was just a complete testament to the, 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 again, yeah, the choreography, the directing of it, um, it, it's just incredible. And I think to me, this is, this is the point I'm trying to get at with my, uh, my, my, uh, I don't loathe or hate musicals, but my disdain for them, disdain for them is, um, uh, I don't think musicals should be converted to a film thing. Like if it, if it is a, if it is a stage musical, I think it should just, just film the stage musical Yeah, in this, in this way. Yeah. Um, keep, uh, or quit giving things to Tom Hooper to, uh, destroy like Les Mis and cats and whatever else he's done. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's so effective in the stage environment. Just film that experience and yeah. then release it because, and they did this a smart way too. They, they filmed it over three different days, which blows my mind that they hit their marks and their emotions the exact same every single time. And I'm sure they did that while they were on Broadway, but to actually see that and never, and I could never point out that there was a cut yeah, to a you, different day. You like could you wouldn't yeah. know. Um, it's almost as if their sweat poured down their faces the exact same every day. You know, like it's just amazing. It was amazing. And, um, and then they did, I think 13 of the songs, maybe 15, um, they also did steady cam work for so they could get close ups and, and things like that for um, which you don't obviously get in like if you go and see it live, you're just in your seat and you don't get that. There's no iMag or uh, screens or whatever. But I think that's the trick of why this worked is them doing like these extra little things that enhance it without altering yeah. the experience. They enhance it for the home viewer, but they don't change the experience as a whole yeah they made they made all the right decisions yeah when 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 they were filming this and um it does it does give you a i mean even in the middle there's the intermission and there's the intermission clock that happens and it was like oh yeah that that happens in the theater and they take a break and they give you 60 seconds yeah and they reset the stage or whatever you know if there's a set change or whatever that is and which there isn't in this really not not really and it doesn't have to be no in the way that they spotlight there's different props that they bring on and the way that they spotlight it in the they do the bullet moves too where they they highlight they just a light that just follows the girl pretending to be the bull i mean yeah that was cool yeah the lighting the lighting designer and director for this um i should have pulled it up i don't i don't remember his name but i mean just as just as uh, re- responsible for this quality and and the love that Hamilton has gotten as much as uh, the the actors and and Lin Manuel for writing it, mm-hmm. uh, really incredible. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're doing. Um, you need to play it as loud as you can in the house. It's and, on Disney Plus. Yeah, you don't know where to find it. And if you don't laugh your butt off when uh, Jonathan Groff shows up as King James, oh dude, there's a part. I, it was funny because every time he came out, I'm like. How much dribble is going to come out of his yeah. mouth? Yeah, I'm like, is he doing that on purpose? You know, yeah, right, at, right. at first it was like, oh, I think he's got a problem. 
No. No, he's no. doing yeah, yeah, it's it's like a, I'm pretty sure it's a part of the character yeah, and so yeah. he's doing it because he's supposed to be this buffoon. Yeah. That is just in power because of his lineage, you know. Right, right. Uh he has no real intelligence or anything and he's a child and uh, very immature, but he's leading an entire country. But he does it so and, well. Oh, he's amazing, dude! It was it's it's and it's such well placed, um, uh, like the blocking of him. Well, or no, the 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 humor. The um, oh, the physical, the humor. comic relief. He, yes, the comic relief yeah. mm-hmm. is so well placed. It's in, right where, where it needs he to comes. Be. I'm like, yeah, it's. It's fantastic. It's really good. I mean, the yeah. the writing's top notch. And um, did you know that he's he's the main character in Mind Hunters also, which is that serial killer show on Netflix? Uh, I've seen Mind Hunters. No, I didn't realize guy. it yeah. was. He's also the voice of Kristoff in Frozen. Oh wow! Yeah, so very talented that guy. Um, but yeah, I love it, and I yeah, that's his songs are stuck in my head now. I can't stop <laughs> seeing them, but. Um, yeah, I, I definitely check out Hamilton as soon as you can, if you haven't already. And if you have already just watch it again, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, it, it definitely proved my point of like, or my thought, I guess I should say, it's not a fact, but that, um, musicals need to just stop being adapted in, in a, in a fictional narrative filmic way. In, in, in. Just to clarify, Broadway plays specifically. Yes, I mean because if you're, if there's you're other writing musicals that have, yeah, that like are Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka yeah. was a musical written for film. Right. Uh, I believe Wizard of Oz was as well. That might be why they work better, but and they're classics. Well, yeah, that's you know. true. Sure, so it's a totally different time. But I think you know a lot of it is just they try to get a little too. Um, I don't know. It, it separates you too much from what the theater does. I, 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 when I say I don't like musicals, I don't like musical films is what I should be saying because I don't mind going to the theater. I mean, you, you, you voiced that you're not a huge fan of it, but I, I, I don't mind going to see plays or, or dude, we, when know? we went and saw, um, uh, Lion King, it was the mm-hmm. most elaborate stage oh, sure. experience that I, I mean, and I've seen a few, um, it's not the first thing on my list to go do, but yeah. I've been and do appreciate it. But dude, the the just the the costumes, the engineering that yeah. went into, and and you know that these animals were people, and they were, and and there were some types of contraptions that were that were people driven, right. You know, like the giraffe, and like I mean, some of these things. You're just like, wow. The and then you you you're in there, and you forget that they're people. The people disappear, and it's amazing. Yeah, and that's the magic. And it's really cool. Yeah, but that's the in person experience, and that's what the buzz is all about when you hear you know and stuff like that. So, and that I don't think would work if you just videoed it. No, that that's a that is a setup and a and a creation that works only in yeah it has to have to experience it in that in that environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know what will come of this. Hopefully, this doesn't mean that they're going to make some, you know, Steven Spielberg directed hamilton movie you know now um i think this is the it doesn't have to, to be do no i know that's, don't, that's, please that's don't. the point i'm trying to get to is it's you, like the live action lion king it didn't need it to didn't, be done right yeah what was i mean cool what was the reason and then don't you know 
John, if you're listening, nothing against you. You, we, we have nothing but love for you. But we didn't need the live action he Lion King. That. We didn't need the live he action. You know what? You know what the Lion King. We didn't King need the live action Jungle, Jungle Book. Book. Well, that was him too. But <laughs> um, you know what those movies did do though is they furthered the technology the, that we yes, got for yeah, other things. The so. tech, w- the tech that 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 Mandalorian was filmed with, mm-hmm, and yeah, a yep, bunch of stuff mm-hmm. has come from that. So, so we're not mad that they were there. I guess it's a two hundred dollar R and D, two hundred million dollar R and D project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. here, we're well, going mean, to fund guess, this. I guess two hundred million isn't but, much for R and D. But we really you know? want some new technology yeah. to. Come out of because think of all the doing. money that they brought in just from. Oh, well, I mean, obviously, you know, people go still see the Lion King made a billion dollars, but uh, then you got this. Wait, the Lion King live action made a billion dollars. Yeah, is there? I don't think there is a Disney movie that doesn't nowadays. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, if it wasn't a billion, it was close. It was. It was a lot. I don't know. I mean, we. Wouldn't that's so. It, that's so crazy. Now that we. I mean. Really, the MCU, and you knew how to figure out a way to get that in here, was has really changed the metrics of what we now consider a successful movie. Yeah, um, and I that's mean, a bit of a bummer. Not a bit. And I mean, it bit, is for a lot of films. Well, think of, <laughs> hear me say bit, and 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 I really mean it's a major bummer because yeah. now we're getting other movies not in the theater because it's like, are they going to make a billion? No. Then they go streaming. Right. Oh, so now I don't get that theater experience. Right. Which well, nobody's me, getting right now. Well, anyway. yeah, sure. But, um, I mean, I, unless you build, we can build a home theater. Huh. <laughs> yeah, let's get on that. <laughs> let's do that. And then neither of us have a spare room and it, no. And, and we, and we totally make it a theater experience and all the seats are six feet apart and there's, there's only 50 in there and, mm. and we never sell the 50th ticket or we just don't do any of that. And it's just our own theater that we yeah, don't there's let only, other people come There's into. only two chairs yeah, in two there. Chairs. Or maybe, maybe four for four, the wives. Yeah, you know. yeah, I guess they can come yeah. along. But uh, yeah, it's just the, um, yeah, we, we bring this up all the time. I, I, I definitely talk about it, but it's like your tent pole, your big action movies now are the ones that are going to the theater. And eventually, especially after all of this, you're not going to get the small movies yeah. going back to the theater. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we're kind of in this weird, yeah. funky place. Like, Amazon buying AMC, is it happening? Is it not happening? Yeah. I mean, does it matter? Are we ever going to have, you know, that theater experience again? It's going to take a long time for people it's to It's probably going to privatize. Yeah, or it'll get privatized completely. And yeah. Apple and Amazon will own their own theater chains. And, yep. Uh, in Disney. I mean, that, that's how it started. You know, yeah. and that's how it happened. And then they had to break it up and... Um, with monopoly rules and all that, but uh, not the game, the actual the actual government mandations. But um, <laughs> not the game. Mandation is not yeah, a real the, word, the, by the, the way. The, the, the philosophy, yeah, you know, the philosophy of monopoly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this brings me to another movie that I watched though, and I, I just just watched it today um, that I would have absolutely loved to have seen in a theater, um, but uh, with everything going on, I didn't get to. And then also, I just don't think I would have been able to i don't think they would have released it into the theater um it's this small movie um independently made and then bought by amazon studios in uh 
sometime last year, 2019. But it, it started on the film festival. Yeah. Circuit. So yeah. it started at Slam Dance and then it went on to TIFF and yep. it got bought at TIFF by Amazon. And if you don't know what TIFF is. Sorry, Toronto International Film Festival. Yes. Slam Dance mm-hmm. is another film festival that happens uh, at the same time as Sundance, but it's a little more uh, niche, like genre film style. But stuff. Is, it, is it also in uh, Park City? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, I'm pretty sure it is. Interesting. Somebody correct me if not. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And if it's not... I'll Google it. Yeah, do, do that real quick. But anyways, the so the movie I'm talking about is uh, it's a movie that was made for, I don't know how much money, but it was made in uh, 13 or 16 days. And it's super atmospheric, super um, moody and character driven and uh, what some people would consider slow and uh, it is Park City Park City great so Slam Dance also at the same time so Um, but uh, incredibly high production value where it needed to be Um, amazing acting where it needed to be a really simple story so that you know you as a as a viewer aren't lost in kind of the vibe of the whole thing so they they keep they keep the simple story and it's a story that you know you you're familiar with they're not doing anything new story wise and but they're telling it in a in a new way yeah and that to me was like that's the kind of stuff that I strive for when I'm looking for things to watch or stuff that I want to like be interested in. And, uh, it definitely has this, like, I haven't seen Ad Astra, but Ad Astra is a slow burn movie, right? It is a very slow burn. Yeah. So this is very much in that kind of vein. So you probably wouldn't like it, but <laughs> I, I love, what these do you mean? Well, you didn't care for Ad Astra that much from what I understand, but we can, we can talk I mean, about that later. Yeah. Um, but like 2001 is slow. 2001 is a Space slow. Odyssey has a shot of... But it's iconic, so... I know. I, when I originally saw it, when I was younger, I was like, mm-hmm. eh, give me Star Wars, give me something yeah, else. sure. You know, but... You there's know, a you, lot of there's things that you grow, Yeah, and there's things that you grow to appreciate, yeah. too, as you, as you mature. The so. thing that I really... And ugh, this is going to sound so, like, film school pretentious but the way that this movie comes across is like and i know i know there's ai artificial intelligence from 98 or whatever whenever that came out and that movie was originally supposed to be directed by stanley kubrick and then uh he handed it off to steven spielberg um before he died and then he died and you're talking about the will smith no ai that's irobot oh right ai is the uh, Haley joe oz yeah yeah movie right um, Jude Law, all that. Anyways, mm-hmm. not Jude not great. I, yeah. I actually really really dislike that movie um, quite a bit. The the, the principle, you know, it, it was a great example of one of those principal ideas. It was really good on paper. Well, that's why. And yeah, the, it doesn't and, work. And the execution, and, and the execution is really difficult. Yeah, and you know, well, that's the reason why it doesn't work because I think who the, the the team that executed it wasn't the team that came up with the idea. Right. And that was the problem. You know, Kubrick yeah. uh, had the idea, you know, he, he was supposed to direct it. He, he died um, shortly after Eyes Wide Shut. And um, and so Spielberg kind of just did it uh, out of 
kind of a respect thing like he felt yeah, like he needed to like for he him wanted and, to carry on that project yeah, yeah. um yeah. and so it just it wasn't it just wasn't done you know how, how it could have been uh, all that to be said what, I, what i'm about to say is um in no way like hyperbole don't don't take it like i'm literally saying this i'm just saying there are aspects of the two so this movie definitely comes across as like old school spielberg and kubrick so there's a lot of like shining uh slow atmospheric stuff mm. 2001 really just like you're eating up the location like this the the setting you're letting the visuals tell the story well yeah kind of but yeah. you're letting the atmosphere build within yeah. and and everything and then oh, sorry and then and then the rest of the the analogy is that it's it's the it's the baby child of spielberg and kubrick is kind of what this movie feels like <laughs> and i'm not saying the love job <laughs> yeah it's not a one-to-one on each of those it's you know it's there's there's aspects of both of them so it's, right. it's very close encounters of the third kind mm-hmm. uh, 2001 yeah. shining like those movies it has that vibe to it which those three movies are in my top 10 movies of all time so yeah. you know like i ate this up and uh the story and what is it that we're yeah, talking okay. about what, yeah, what's sorry. the title uh that i don't know if i said it yet sorry uh it's called the vast of night the vast of night yeah, now, so is, this a, is this a scary movie no it's uh, again it's atmospheric it's very okay. um just vibey mm-hmm and the score goes great with it, and it's directed by a guy that I think he's only done corporate like commercials and stuff before this, and um, they they filmed it in Texas and real kind of like um, indie style. I mean, the, it couldn't have been much budget to it. Um, they filmed it on uh, Zeiss Zeiss Ultra Primes, whatever whatever the Zeiss Primes are that they have. Um, I don't think I don't think it was the CP2s, but anyways, uh, so the Zeiss Primes with the Red Dragon 6K, mm, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so if we're gonna get into like the actual filmmaking of it, here's some here's some gear things. So with those um, those Zeiss lenses, he said that they were at a constant for everything. The entire movie was shot at an f 1.6. Really, which made me nauseous as soon as he said it because I was like those poor focus pullers yeah you know i mean what here's the reason why though is what's so yeah like i'm really curious because in all lighting situations that is not gonna work no it's not it's not an ideal situation especially for your crew your camera assistants and and people pulling focus and uh all that And, and even just like what your your audience is looking at so what's interesting though is here's here there's two bands of people that film things right the people that don't want to use any lights and they think that the natural shooting, light no well, no hang on that's not what i'm going yes. at but the the people that don't want to use any lights because they don't have them or they think that it's artsy to not use them uh and then they think that shooting everything at the absolute most open a lens can be for that shallow depth of field is the most cinematic thing they can do so they shoot everything at a 1.2 or 1.6 or whatever, you know, the, the most open it can be. And then the other school of thought, and uh, the correct one is, <laughs> uh, what does the story call for? Right. And so the story is about these two characters that you were following for an hour and a half. I'm pretty sure it's in real time. And uh, 
you need to be focused on them. And that's what, so everything around them, you know, uh, there's, there's obviously a different look for a 50 millimeter lens at a 1.6 than there is a 20 millimeter or a 14 millimeter or an 85. So, you know, the the shot up to the If you're shooting really wide at a 1.6, you're having, you have a lot more stuff in focus because it's just a wider focal length. Um, But if you're at a 50 millimeter, then yeah but you're gonna have to stop that down with nd if it's really bright i mean they so uh, yeah they shot at an iso 2000 for everything also wow which isn't super high i mean it is for the dragon i mean but see i don't know i'm wrestling with the that idea because you you make those adjustments in in your shutter speed you make those adjustments in your iso you make those adjustments so that you get the right exposure right yeah okay if you're so, just trying to get so <laughs> a, if you're just trying to get like a, a straightforward image sure but now if you want to make those artistic decisions okay and you know the different the different looks that you're going to get per lens. Okay, fair. Um, I'm totally down with that. There's a reason why you would use a different focal length for a different feeling, um, for a different capture. You, you're going to use wide for an establishing shot. I mean, there's so many reasons for different focal lengths. Fair enough. That's why we have a bunch of different lenses. Yep. There's also a reason why you can make the adjustments in the shutter speed and in your ISO. And, you know, it's like, you, you dude, use those things. And if you want to make it darker, you have that ability to do in post, right? Post-processing, there's a, re, right? You do, you, you, you shoot in a log with a very flat profile, and then you get that feel you make those artistic decisions to how you're going to color it how you you can you can push and pull you know your you, you, there's a lot of things to do now i'm not advocating the attitude of just fix it in post that's different right just fix it in post doesn't even though that we have a lot of flexibility because you can do a lot of things in post but there's things that you should that that are relegated to post that that should be done there that you're not going to do on the front end. So to shoot something, unless the lighting is exactly the same on every scene, you know, at that same 1.6 or 1.2 or whatever wide open because it's really low light or whatever, you know, and you're making adjustments for that, cool. But to shoot the entire thing at one stop because you just that's just what we're gonna do. Man, what 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 advantage is that? What creative advantage does that I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going I think you're coming at it from a very technical side. Yeah, so yeah, I, you, I think I you am, need to step away I, from that. I, I am because I mean this is where technology and creativity come together and clash. Right, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And it, this wasn't a 
I can, so I will situation though. This was no. this was a creative decision for the story. But but which at is the what same time, the but time. at the same time, how much extra strain are you putting on your crew? On your pe- like you mentioned, the people that are pulling focus and sure. on all the like how much more But here's the thing is like, if you know that you're going to do that going into it, you're going to be prepared for that. Sure. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. And this movie has a ton of one long take like moments mm-hmm. where it goes from one building to across town to another building that like, actually Gallant. And the lighting, it's got it. I'm assuming it changes. I haven't seen this movie, so I don't yeah. know. But I'm assuming it alters. It, and yeah. Yeah. So there, there's the planning. <laughs> there, there's one scene where it goes from the, the premise of the movie, because we got on a tangent here, is um, <laughs> 1.6. Yeah. So it's this small Texas town in uh, the 1950s. So it's You after, know what the name of the town is? Being from living in texas for a while i'm Ka- curious karuka or something like that it's a weird oh i don't know n- not weird but it's a it's definitely not like jeremiah or you know like Tyler. los angeles yeah. <laughs> you know um which isn't in texas <laughs> there's i a, don't there there might a be paris. a los angeles in texas there's a paris in texas yeah well uh there's a st louis in every state apparently there's a is there really what is the uh now we're really on a tangent. Yeah, what, what's the <laughs> Springfield from Simpsons? There's a mm-hmm. Springfield in, in I want to say it's like 40 of every 50 state there's a Springfield. So that's why you never actually know where Simpsons takes place. They purposely picked a name that was that was in a lot of different states so that yeah. no one ever knew for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's the Illinois one. Yeah, because that's the first that you think of. Yeah. I mean. Oh, New Mexico. I thought it was Texas. Oh, here we go. Now we got to edit. <laughs> Okay, apparently it's New Mexico, not Texas, but they filmed it in Texas, so whatever. Um, Wait, so the story takes place in New Mexico, but they filmed in Texas? Or this story? Yes, no. The story... Okay. <laughs> Let me start from the top. This movie, The Vast of, the vast of Night, uh, Amazon Prime, it is about a small town in New Mexico in the 1950s. Uh-huh. That takes place after the Roswell ah. crash mm-hmm. in 1947, I think is when that was. Yeah. Yeah. And also after the, uh, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, the couple got abducted in New Mexico as well. So there's the story in the 1953 or something, I think, where a couple claims to have gotten abducted by aliens and this whole thing. So... The story <laughs> they just though, had a bad acid trip. It's possible, yeah. <laughs> but but the story of it is, of this is um, it's it, it focuses on a switchboard operator who is this sixteen year old girl still in high school, but she works the switchboard at night. Um, and then uh, this radio DJ um, who he she she gets this phone call and it has like a bunch of uh, just static and some weird noises and through it. And so she's really friendly with the radio DJ. So she calls him up and says, Hey, listen to this. And then he plays it over the radio waves and shouldn't have done that. Probably weird stuff happens. So then some weird stuff happens and he basically, he says, here, listen to this. And he sends it out and he says, if you know anything about these noises, I want you to call us. And somebody calls in 
stuff happens. So it, it's okay. It's, now I'm compelled to watch. Ah, now okay. I'm, I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> um, but the the filmmaking of it is is top notch, and it, the cinematographer is a Chilean uh, cinematographer. I don't know how to say his name. Oh wow, IMDb has it just abbreviated to M I Littenmans. Um, so I guess that's helpful. But um, it's it's shot very like organic and naturally, mm-hmm. which is kind of going on a lot lately. Um, it's that indie style of, of shooting, but there's so much craft and filmmaking to it because there's one shot that goes from inside the switchboard operator down the street of this small New Mexico town through a field past a house through some fences, uh, past a couple other buildings and then into inside of the gymnasium of the town school and then up through and the it's crowd. all a single and shot it's all one take and there's no cuts throughout it's wow. it is literally an, it's an actual one shot yeah. so what they said they did is they had um had gimbals you know so movie or whatever and um it starts in the in that switchboard operator room and it's like uh you know, chest height. Yeah, and so then, somebody's hand holding it. So somebody's it, hand holding yeah. it. And then they it goes outside and they hand it off to one of on the executive rig. producers who's laying down on a go-kart. Really? And then he holds it there and that go-kart just takes off and goes through the city so was, street. The so he wasn't driving the go-kart. The, the director said that they rented it from a local kid that owned it and the kid drove it and the producer laid down on it and got the shot. And it's it's like a continuous, I don't know, it, it's not like super, super long, but it's incredibly well-crafted. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's maybe halfway through the movie, I think. Maybe, maybe not that quite far in. But, uh, it. I mean, when I saw it, I was just like, bruh, what? <laughs> like, this is, this is, this was is, it and, like, and, was and it we like, just saw 1917. Yeah, I was just going to say, is it like 1917? I don't want to say that this, this seems more challenging than 1917, but this seems more challenging than 1917. Not, not the whole movie. Sorry. Not, I should clarify. 1917 is like 28 actual takes stitched together to look like one. And this was just one take, um, literally. Um, and obviously this, this one take isn't an hour and a half like 1970. Well, it doesn't seem like to, you know, because even with Childish Gambino's This Is America, they did that all in one shot. And that's not all one. It's all one. Well, there's two, there's like two cuts that, that look like, okay, well, but yeah, when he goes up, but, yeah, but yeah. there's, but there's an all it's, and then there's another, um, Timberlake's last video oh was all gosh, one shot too. With, yeah. But so it seems to me like the whole, the whole one shot idea is is kind of like are you gonna say played out no it's not played out it's like like the the it thing the, right now the popular like challenge do you know what i mean it's like yeah i think it's always been a, it's always been one of the challenges there's there's a there's a lot of one takes in kubrick stuff uh the, the here's the thing though um and when we say one take we mean one continuous shot yeah because it could have been multiple takes of that one sure. continuous yeah they didn't shot, they didn't yeah. only do it once and yeah. then that was it. They yeah. yeah. Unless it's in the case of that Justin Timberlake video where right they, it was they one was and the done. first one. <laughs> yeah. They um they rehearsed that 
But yeah, it was very well planned here, and very well yeah. thought out. I think they said they rehearsed it like 30 times. And then when they finally actually rolled, it ended up being the first one that they did was the one they went with. So, yeah. um, anyways, that, gosh, what does that say something? Uh, what is that music video? It's him and, uh, oh, the yeah. country music singer. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the idea of the one shot. Yeah. Well, the one shot, I mean, here's the thing. And I, I just brought it up for the aperture and, you know, the F stop and, and the lens selection, you you choose those things to for the story. Yeah, say something. So if you do a one shot, it better be not because you're trying to be flashy, but because it's in in honor of the story you're trying to tell. Right, which in 1917 it was it, it worked amazingly. Yes, because you're supposed to be traveling with yeah, these people yeah, in real time. Yeah. yeah, except for the 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 six hour flash forward that they do but um yeah. yeah i think uh actually i don't think i know like this 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 one that they're doing like you're you're hanging out with these people you have very long takes on a lot of these people it's because you're supposed to be hanging out with them you're supposed to get to know them you're supposed to understand like kind of what makes them tick and you're supposed to get closer to them as characters and then the one that goes from the switchboard operator all the way to the school is this shot to establish geography and it helps tell the story because then once you get into what's happening later on you're like oh this town is is small and you know there's a reason that things are happening the way they are and and the way you could have done that or the way other people would have maybe done that was like they would have taken a drone right and they would have done an aerial shot that went from the the uh switchboard operator flew straight up vertically and then did a pan and tilt towards where the school was. And then you had a cut like that's how a traditional way would have done it. Right. Um, and so for them to establish it in real time, I mean, granted you're doing 40 miles an hour in a go-kart, but still like you can, you, you're able to in that two minutes figure out where the geography of the whole town is. And, uh, it's, it's great. It's just really fascinating and, um, clever filmmaking and, I, you know, we talked about the beginning of this, how I was just watching trash, and this is definitely not trash. And uh, hopefully it's something that's kind of, like, brought me out of my funk where I want to start finding more things like this now because it's it's one of those, like... So we have new motivation for film theory? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I might... I, yeah, I should... I need to try and this get is, that This is me poking yeah, a bear, poke by the way. I'm like... Yeah. Get it, get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it looks so good. I know, but uh, <laughs> it just—it also kind of proved to me, like, oh, there's not just there's not just trash on yeah. Amazon and Netflix. I have to find these things now through other other ways, and you know, I came across this from another another YouTube channel that I recommended. I was like, oh wow, okay. And well, and this sounds way. like if this take that you're we're talking about sounds like a good take for a film theory yeah. clip yeah i think there's a lot to it it's funny that it's got so many one takes as well so it'll um not necessarily mirror but it'll um go in tandem with my 1917 so yeah see yeah. it's interesting too because the the use of the one take in 1917 versus the use of the one take in here has, serves two different purposes yeah totally and 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 I think that's important to recognize and important for the filmmaker to understand is is that hey I can use certain tools um, to communicate something 
that maybe traditionally would be used for something else. Yeah. Right. So that's where, that's where that creativity really comes in is, is that realizing like, Hey, you you know, as when we were talking to um, Matthew Labatique, you know, and just the different tools in his toolbox with the parallax and the time lapse and all these different things that are so readily available Mm -hmm. to filmmakers today, way more so than they were even 15 years ago. And, and, and that's the the ones that are really standing out are not the ones that are, Hey, I'm just going to reach in my toolbox and use whatever, just because I have it, yeah. but I'm going to use this thing intentionally for this purpose because mm-hmm. it, it, it lends itself towards to the story. The story. Yeah. yeah. Always think of what is the motivation for this? Yeah. And if you don't have an answer, you're doing it to either show off or because you're, out of ideas right yeah and if if you're out of ideas shoot it traditional you're going to save your cruise time you're going to save your own time and you're going to probably get better performances out of it because you're not worried about if that crazy track dolly setup is going to take six hours or whatever right um which was funny that you mentioned that because i was just watching the jim connor um uh episode they they have kind of the making of the Jim Connor series mm-hmm. with Ken, oh, on Amazon with yeah. Ken Block on yeah, Amazon right. and they were building they you know they were setting up for for this um like this amazing they were going to do like this donut flip thing off of this embankment off of a freeway in Detroit and they they had to rebuild the ramp and then when they rebuilt the ramp properly the weather wasn't working but you know, it was, you know, talking about time and crew and all this thing. And so they didn't end up getting that shot. Oh, right. They it, just skipped it, it. It was, they were, they had five shots that they were trying to accomplish that being one of the five. And that was kind of a, the icing on the cake shot. Yeah. Like a wish list. But it, but it was like, if we don't get it, we've got stuff for the episode. It's yeah, fine. It doesn't break anything. Right. But it, you know, in, in the, you know, talking about filmmaking, you're talking about crew, you're talking about building stuff, you're talking about time, you're talking about money, you're talking mm-hmm. about resources. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think great filmmakers are aware of all of those layers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if and they're aware, like, hey, this is what my budget is. Let's stay inside this budget so that maybe we'll get greenlit for whatever the next thing yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the first Jim Connor that he did or even before they were called Jim Connors, like right, yeah. when he was just doing little GoPro YouTube videos yeah. that were maybe 30 seconds of him doing, doing donuts. Like look at what it's progressed to right, now. Yeah. It's a whole YouTube channel. I mean, and it had a, a yeah, thing on, on Amazon. Yeah. It's massive. And then he's got the Hill Connor thing that he just released. Yeah, the climb Connor. Climb yeah. Connor, that's what it was. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, it, nothing, nothing ever starts the finish line. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, and it's again, though, it's something that those guys said, do we need this for the story we're trying to tell? Because right. Yeah. It's a guy doing donuts, but yep. they're still trying to tell a story. Yeah. There, there's still, there is a story arc to that. It might not be in a traditional sense of the, of the phrase, but uh, you know, did, did they need it for that? They decided no. And no one knows that they didn't, you know, like yeah. no one knows they, they didn't or didn't need it because it didn't hurt anything. So I think that, you know, that to me that was kind of 
uh, it was refreshing to see something that was taking itself so um, so serious for the story and everything seems so intentional and not just doing it to be flashy right or doing it to be cool and and show off it mm-hmm. was like oh okay this is this is all in service of the story and, right yeah. which there's a lot of that like you said there's a lot of trash and yeah. just because it's trash doesn't mean it doesn't look good right there can be a lot of very flashy very like hey look at me michael bay i'm d- <laughs> look at <laughs> Talking what? about you, six on the ground. I wasn't throwing any names or under, anybody under the bus. Six on the ground looks but, super flashy, but, but it's hot trash. But there's a lot, you know, and it was funny because it, that was one of my first lessons as a venture into editing. So my first editing project was a contest that the Imagine Dragons with oh, Adobe yeah, yeah. did. This is back in 2016, 2017. Um, I think it was early 2017. Um, and they gave all the raw footage to the music video for... Um, uh, I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, one of their one of their hits that they had in 2017. Yeah. Gosh. And, I, and so I've heard that song thousands of times because yeah. I made this video. It wasn't and so I, it was the other one. No, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, it's Dolph Lundgren's in it, you know, yeah. and the I forget the, the lead singer plays the younger version of him. Dolph Lundgren's the older version, and they they in their boxing, and there's this whole. And so, what did I focus on? The story. The story. Yep. What did everybody else focus on? Because it was also a partnership with um, Blue Effects, which oh, yeah. is a plug-in. And, you know, they wanted you to, you had to use a certain number of effects and everything and, and all of that. And there were some really great, amazing, creative edits, you know, and they did like the top 25. And I thought, okay, I'm going to focus on the story part of it. And so my, my cuts and my edit was, there's a, there's a story arc to it. And, um, they didn't care. No one cared. Nobody cared about that. And it was. And then it was a great lesson for me because it was like the ones that did the most eye candy that was like these, you know, they really spent some time diving into creating these very spatial backgrounds and astral background in in this, in this, in this morphing transition stuff. I mean, it was stuff way over my head because it was, again, my first venture into editing in, in, and I was, I was so, bu- I was like, okay, if I just make honorable mention, that would be cool because I, I knew the story was what was important and it just wasn't, you know, and no. it was one of those things in a music video. Yeah. It's not quite the same, um, you know, and it was all about, it was all about the eye candy mm-hmm. and I, and I should have realized that because. Well, you got to you know, know that audience. Yeah, the audience, the effects, the yeah. you know the sponsors and what they were looking for. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but it was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a great lesson to go, okay. Well, that's that's the other side of the coin too, isn't yeah. it? Is that, yeah, you got to do things that serve the story, but then also you got to do things that are going to give you an audience. Sure, yeah. Because if no one's yeah. there to see the story, then what's the point in telling the story? Sure. Um, and I think... 
than music videos in general because yeah. they're so short it is primarily about you know the it's visual it's candy. this yeah it's the eye candy that yeah. supports the song mm-hmm. not so much the story that's being told yeah and you know uh, imagine dragons fans are um just gonna sound terrible but simple you know what i mean like they're not you look at childish cambino there's much more depth into most of his music videos as opposed to an Imagine Dragons video. Like it's just the, it's just that's the the style of music where there's more of like a lesson or a story to be told through what Gambino's doing compared to kind of like a pop rock hit that goes to sure, the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one one is to kind of uh, voice opinions and teach lessons, and one is kind of like to just entertain, make money, and yeah, yeah. entertain. No, I'm not saying one is worse or better than the other. Even it's though a I have my own opinions, yeah. they're different approaches. But um, if you had done, you know, I, even like a, I mean, even though Lady Gaga is very visual oriented, if you had done a Lady Gaga video and it was more focused on the story, it might have hit better because she is more of an emotional right. artist, right? Yeah. Um, but the audience for Imagine Dragons just yeah. wants to see things explode well and then you know and and you bring up a good point know your audience yeah and the audience in this case was uh, a series of judges that were from adobe and from the new blue effects so (laughs) right so the effects people were the audience and if you didn't have enough of their stuff that was the judge and they wanted to that's what they wanted that's what they were looking for um you know and i was like uh, but I, I'll I'll always be grateful for that lesson because of the things that I learned. Sure, and I think that you know that brings me back to this movie. You know, um, we we wonder if what we're creating has an audience, and I think you just have to kind of go for it. Yeah. And this movie, you know, he knew what the story was. He knew what that story would appeal to when he wrote it and directed it, and um, but he told it in the way that he wanted to tell it, and I think. You know, at the end of the day, like, you're going to find your audience for the most part. Um, I mean, obviously, there's, I'm speaking very generally here, there's some crap out there that no one watches because it's crap, but, um, or listens to, I mean, this goes for everything, writing, directing, you know, or uh, writing, um, filmmaking, music. I mean, if I wrote a song, it's not going to have an audience except for hopefully my wife, but that's because she loves me. And you know, and your but family. I am not good at music. No, my dad would be like, Oh son. Uh, Cause he is a musician. We're going to use that as a theme song uh-huh. for the next episode. Yeah, here, let me write a song for the next one. I'll let you guys know. Um, but that's not, but that's what I'm saying is like, I'm not good at that. I don't know what I'm doing there. Yeah. You need to kind of figure out like, what are you good at? And if you want to get better at that, then you need to get better. At yeah. And keep that. doing that. And yeah. you know, it's funny because, um, I, I talk to a lot of kids that are in the, in the music space that are wanting to create beats and they're asking about Jacob and they're like, Hey, what mm-hmm. tools did he use? What this and what that and everything. And fruity loops. And a lot of times they get, they get discouraged because sure. their stuff in the beginning again is, is, is trash. Again, that's what right? I said though. And right? now, and yeah. now, but, so was your filmmaking. Yeah. So was my filmmaking. So, so my was filmmaking any, still is trash. <laughs> and 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 so when you're starting, everybody sucks. Yeah. Like when Michael Jordan started playing basketball, guess what? He sucked. He got kicked off of his high school basketball team even when he didn't 
suck that bad, but he still sucked in the beginning. Is that true? It is totally true. Wow. He did not make his high school varsity team his junior year. Is that because he, he was a bad player or because he was a jerk? No, it was because there were other people that were better. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I yes. I haven't watched his documentary so, um, yet. I need to do um, it. It's very good. And uh, so anyway, th- the point that I'm making is, yeah. is that when you start to, like you, maybe you're passionate about something that's great. Your passion doesn't make you great at it. Yeah. What makes you great is putting in the work, mm. right? Putting in the hours, laboring over the the edits, laboring over the effects, laboring over the sound, tweaking it and learning about these different things. And that takes time. Yeah. And you and there's no substitute for the time and the repetition that it takes to become excellent. Here's the other thing too, is it takes the guts to show it. Absolutely. Because you have Absolutely. to have things critiqued. You have to have things judged for Dude, you to Dude, I knew I knew when I pushed upload on that on the edit, I'm like, oh dude, this yeah. is the first thing like I've ever like edited and yeah. it's gonna be public. Boom. And then you tagged. Right. You tagged, you know, you tagged it Adobe, you so tagged it New Blue Effects, you tagged and I mean it, hashtag, public. So then people are gonna watch it too. And, then, yeah. and you tagged it Imagine Dragons mm-hmm. and it's like oof. Yeah. I'd be curious. I'm going to send it to you. I want you to watch it, and we'll talk about it next time. Cool. I'll see critique what, the crap yeah, out of it, <laughs> and just because. But that's good. See, that's where you know you need to till the soil mm. and put fertilizer in there, which is essentially crap and trash, in order to get the good stuff that grows up out of it. Wow, it's true. Wow, it's true. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, you look at... It takes crap to make trees. You know, it takes... It takes it, uh, it, it what, what am I trying to say? It takes crap to make uh, life. I mean... No, that's... I don't know. <laughs> What's the shorter version? I, well, you said yeah. it fine. You yeah. said it fine. I, so don't be... The yeah. point is, is like, if you're feeling like your stuff is trash, don't give up. It, please, I mean, it please. might be, and it probably is, but... Yeah, that's where it starts. Can that's you imma- where everywhere, everybody starts. Steven Spielberg still looks back on things and says he wishes he would have done something different. Sure. And he's one of the biggest directors to ever live. Sure, and his first stuff, guess what? It was trash. Yeah, except Duel's fantastic. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> Go watch it, please. It doesn't get enough love. CBS but, you Films. Know, I mean, and then that's it's true with anything. It's true yeah. with... with your career it's true with film it's true with music it's true with art it's true with um anything that you're you're trying to accomplish you know sports mm. you know whatever you when usain bolt started running in the beginning he sucked yeah like he it, it, he didn't he wasn't an olympic multi-gold medalist not until he was four months old yeah <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I you know, and I and the thing that that I just I'm like, man, there's not enough encouragement around mm. to to keep people from from quitting on their yeah. dreams, to from quitting on something that they, you know. Then there's a lot of discouragement. Like, mm. well, don't don't do that. That's well. That's the know. other thing too is you got to find somebody that will critique your stuff, but in a 
in a positive, helpful way. Yeah. Not someone that just looks and says, oh, man, that's crap. Why would you even put that out there? Right. Look at, find somebody, find that, that group of people, or even if it's just one person that you can say, hey, what do you think of this? And they go, man, I really like it, but I would do this. What about this? Have you thought about doing this and this and this? Right. And that? Yeah. And a coach or a mentor yeah. or somebody that's going to. Because gonna- that's going to take you to that, the next level. And, and, you know, people use the term next level, and it almost sounds like a, a night like that's it like you, you have where you are and then you have the next level and that's it <laughs> there's multiple levels here sure yeah. like I, I did not start out knowing my way backwards through adobe premiere i had to get there and now yeah. i do and now yeah. i know I, you know but it took time it took time right. and you had to put in the time to to grow in it and uh yeah i mean the stuff i'm making is not is not uh award-winning or anything. Oh, I guess I can't say that. Technically, it is. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everything I make is. So right. yeah, it's it's uh, it, yeah. It, so I, you just gotta you gotta practice, and you yeah, gotta. It's, it's like Ryan Connolly said: just do the work. Yeah, just, just do the work. Just do it. Just do the work. Don't you we got know. Nike? We got Allen Iverson. Yeah. Right. Practice. Right. Wasn't practice. That We're was talking Alan? about practice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's that, that's good. That's enough of this episode. Yeah. Do things that serve the story. Um, if you don't have motivation for what you're doing, don't do it. Um, and uh, find somebody that can help you uh, help you just become a better you. Yeah. Uh, in your in your whatever you're doing, whether that's music or or photography or film or art or uh, whatever, singing, yeah, anything. Um, and we were really looking forward to the song that that that. Oh I got, I got a little mini controller. I got a little USB mini controller. Actually, that's the that sounds like the Axel Foley uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop theme. I shouldn't know copyright. The Easy Podcast. That's our new theme. That's it, guys. We got it. That's it. I think that about does it for this week. Yeah. Easy does it. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a list in the description of everything that we recommend you watch. Uh, definitely Hamilton. I can't recommend uh, a vast, vast of the vast night. of night enough, um, especially if you're into those atmospheric slow burn movies. Unfortunately, I watched it at 10 o'clock in the morning. I recommend watching it at night just to get the vibe just right. Yeah. Um, you should watch it. I'm good. You really should. I'm going to watch quick. it tonight. It's quick. It's an hour and a half. Yeah. Stay off your phone. They'll put it in another room so you can just yeah. really feel immersed in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's totally worth it. And uh, yeah, everything else will be in the description, guys. So thanks cool. for listening. Eric, you want to you wanna give all our info away? Sure. If I can remember what it all is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can help too. Yeah, it's all good. So um, again, guys, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We are eternally grateful for, for that. And, um, we hope that it's brought some entertainment and some value your way. And if you're looking to follow Zach, you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Zach Abbott's, um, eh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I just totally, the train fell off the track. Wow. <laughs> but if you want to follow Eric on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, or YouTube, it's at Eric Thurston. You going to be all right, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'll be You okay. need to wrap this up for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm falling off. All right. And or you can find the Easy Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the Easy Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at the Easy Podcast Show. And if you have any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, you can send all of those to Zach 
and he loves reading those at the easy podcast show at gmail.com thanks for listening guys and uh hopefully you'll hear from us soon yeah this has been nice to get back to yeah it's good all right go watch the vast of night Smash that record button.